Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to another Rich Herring's Square Theatre podcast with me, Richard Herring. I'm the eponymous hero of the piece, and my guest this week is Chris Addison, who loves to break cupboards and eat stinky cheese and be generally evil. Uh, it seems nice, but it's just a front. My new DVD, Happy Now, is out just in time for Christmas. Go www.gofasterstripe.com. It's the perfect gift for someone who is an idiot and likes me. If they need cheering up, you can go, are you happy now? Give them that. Or if they're happy, go, you're happy now? they go, yes, that'll probably be nicer because they might not be cheered up by my DVD. Also, I'm on tour with a show called The Best. It's mainly touring between February and May 2017, but I'm in Bridgewater on December the 8th. So if you live in Bridgewater, put your gas masks on because it smells there, doesn't it? I know the chemical plant's closed down. Uh, but it still smells. I'm sorry to tell you, uh, this probably isn't the best way of getting you to come uh, and come and see me at the Bridgewater Arts Centre on 8th of December. Anyway, it's Chris Addison now. Let's find out his secrets. It's been very exciting on Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's realised one thing he can't say. It's opprobrium. That's the word he can't. Opprobrium. That's the word he doesn't know how to say. Opprobrium. You know what I mean? Opera, 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 opera room. It's Richard Herring! That's what I can't say, opera prium. I can't say that. That's what I always get wrong. Uh, so welcome to uh, another uh, in the series of Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. I, I was talking to uh, Teddy Ruxpin the other day. Do you, uh, do you remember the... Uh, talking Teddy, wasn't he? <laughs> 
just got to a stage where I go on the internet and look up cool things from the 1980s and see what comes up. He calls it Rehalestopa. So it's, uh, that's, what he calls, that's what he calls it. So uh, again, I thank you very much uh, to uh, the Kickstarter people who've uh, kept this going. Uh, we've got Dean Rutland in the audience there. He's, uh, wow, he's got a fan club with him. Uh, they've had their champagne already and they're fucking loaded. Look at that, it's fantastic. Uh, he is, uh, he's paid to be, get VIP seats he'll be asking uh, Chris Addison the question later on if I forget just to shout out say Richard in a really serious big, oh, Richard why won't ask my question uh, but I won't forget have you drunk all the champagne has it all gone yeah exactly. yeah knocked it back between the four of you have you become good friends you four I you've hung around from last week so you must be having a <laughs> must be having a good time that bottle of champagne lasted a long time uh, the person who wants to be insulted for money this week I mean, I can't believe this is true, but apparently their name is Malty Helmert. <laughs> Which is just like, it's an open goal, isn't it? That's, that's M-A-L-T-E-H-E-L-M-E-R-T. Malty Helmert. <laughs> that can't be real. What I love is people... Uh, forgive me, Malty Helmert, if you, are a, if you are a real person who's just from another country and you don't know that your name means just smegma. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think you are real. It's like, I think that's CJ from Eggheads pretending to be called multi-helmet. He's got lots of nom de plumes. He is very mad. He's got a great imagination. Um, so, bloody hell. Uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's see who's in the audience. There was a lot of people with beards last week. I should have done it this way around as well. That's the mistake I made last night. Oh, fuck's sake. Yes, it's going. Uh, there's Andy McH. He helps me. When I've got technical difficulties, he... Uh, what does it... E-America? What does that mean, E-America? I don't know. Just TK Maxx. Okay. <laughs> E-America. They're what? They make trainers. They're not, they're, they can't spell America. No. That's why they're, che- they're cheap trainers. That's the, that beardy man from... He knows everything. He's the font of all knowledge. It's all in his beard. That beard's like Wikipedia. Uh, so uh, there's a man here in a nice uh, baseball cap. Inside, are you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah. You, are you well? Because I don't want to, you know, if, you, if you're wearing that, you, you look quite healthy. So I'm just checking. That's all right. Uh, it's um, just it's worth check. It's worth just checking. You're just a bit bored. Yeah, that's all right. That's that's normal. Uh, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And what's your name? I should say. Steve. Steve. That's nice. That's what's that accent? I'm a bit of a Henry Higgins with accents. Just say uh, a couple of words. American. You're American. Are you? Are you American though? That's what I want to know. Yeah. It's. Uh, and I can tell you where you... Do you come from somewhere in the, around the edge of America? Yes. <laughs> so I'm Henry Higgins. Uh, New York? Yeah, it says New York, he said. Where is it? Where are you from? L.A. L.A. That's close, isn't it? It's close, it's close. You could barely be closer. What brings you, uh, what brings you to the UK? You've just come from L.A. to see... Are you a big film producer coming to get me in a Christopher Guest movie, maybe? Yeah, brilliant, that's good. What do you do for a living? You work in TV? <laughs> Andy, I'm going to have to start doing it properly now. Okay? Because <laughs> this, this is a big thing. This is my big opportunity. What TV shows have you made? Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, you're impressed by the production values of, <laughs> of Rich James S. Square Theatre Podcast. That's brilliant. Oh, well, thank you for coming to the show. Did you know what you were coming to see? Yes. Bloody hell. It's, it's, <laughs> Is it because of Chris Addison? No. Oh, but it's because of me. <laughs> That's it. The show's over, Chris. Go home. Go home. I'm just going to do like, some monologues and stuff. 
<laughs> just from a pitch of view of my days. Well, lovely to meet you, uh, Steve. That's very nice. I'll, I won't be rude to you then. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll crack straight on with the show because this is a fantastic guest. It's his second appearance. This is really he's best known for being on Richard Haynes' Leicester Square Theatre podcast. He was on the first ever videoed episode of this. It's down to him. We people wanted to see his face. He's probably actually best known for being the man who can be seen in the audience for the TV taping of Are You Dave Gorman in 2003. <laughs> and generally, that is on his Wikipedia page. I'm not even joking. Someone has put that into his Wikipedia page. He's done a fuck of a lot of stuff. And they've said he can be seen in the audience for the TV taping of Are You Dave Gorman in 2003. Go and check it out. And no one's taken that out. It's Chris Addison, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Addison. <laughs> TV's Chris Addison. Welcome. There's a microphone there. Sorry, there's lots of rubbish in the way. Yeah. Somebody emailed me about that last week. <laughs> what the hell is Ch- that? Is that you? That is you. Please tell me. <laughs> it's really freaking me out. Is that you? Right. So they emailed right, you, and then they went, yeah, you went yes, and they went right no, I didn't straight reply. to Wikipedia. I didn't, no, I didn't reply. I didn't, but occasionally people, people say, I've just seen Are You Dave Gorman? That's you, isn't it? And I'm thinking, how are you watching Are You Dave Gorman? Has <laughs> that gone on Netflix now? Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was a good show. It so was. you just, what do you remember about being in the audience of Are You Dave Gorman? Great. It was really good. And, um, do you remember which Dave Gormans were on it that uh, week? I think the Dave Gorman was <laughs> yeah, on it. Was he on it? Uh, and there were 50 odd other ones. I was there for, I, I went to a couple of the recordings yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I went to the last one where all the Dave Gormans turned Oh, wow. Out. So I saw all of the Dave Gormans. Which was, you know, and not many people can say that, really, can they? <laughs> Wikipedia, well, people put on your Wikipedia page is brilliant. For ages, somebody had put on my page, um, uh, he is a very keen beekeeper um, and has five times attempted and failed to become president of the British Apiarists Association. Which I thought was such an elegant piece of vandalism. I don't look at it. Somebody told me about this. I thought, well, let it, let it, let it be there. Uh, and, and, let it just, just, and I kept getting asked about it in interviews. Because what, what happens is that somebody from, you know, journalists just look at Wikipedia. That's all they do. So they put, uh, they just put it uh, in their story. And so that's the second source corroborating yeah, yeah. Wikipedia. So all other journalists <laughs> have two sources now and they can... So, uh, yeah, and, and um, uh, James Martin brought it up live on Saturday Kitchen. <laughs> I had to go, that's not real. And they, they, oh. it's like an entire section of their programme just fallen... <laughs> But you should be cut. You should try. You should try. I, I saw about it. There's a bit of me going. Maybe I'll get into bees. <laughs> not give it a go. No. Have, you a, have you got a garden? Be me and Vince Cable. Yeah, yeah. You could get some bees in there. Yeah, I could totally get some bees. But I have small children, so it's That's probably right. not a good idea. What to is more important, bees. the faces of your children, children. <laughs> or having or some honey. Honey. free honey, yeah. free, free waxy honey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's touching. You've got a couple of kids, so you know, you I could, got, could lose one to bee stings. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter got stung for the first time Did the other day. Yeah, yeah, by a wasp on the ear. Oh, believe it. And it's just, and it's taken days and days and days, and it's still there. Um, and, and now she's used to it, so I can get the bees. <laughs> she's immune now. Do you remember the first time? This is a good question. Do I remember the? Do you first remember the time? first time you were stung by a striped insect? Yes, I do. Actually, yeah. in in the, I must have been under Hold four. On. I've got to write. Hold on, I've got to write. Wait, it's two hundred and one. Yeah, two hundred and one. Have you numbered them? You've not numbered them, you mm. idiot. They're on my computer. It's on my. Oh, stuff. fine. Um, that's not a computer it's a notebook I think Some, you've gone into the Apple shop and just paid five hundred pounds for whatever's on the table. Somebody's left that notebook. Uh, but um, 
Yes, I must have been under four because we were in the first house I ever lived in. I was in a paddling pool Mm. and it stung me on the belly. And I can remember... Just the sheer incomprehension. Why the... I mean, you don't know the word at that point. <laughs> but some part of your, some deep part of your brain is finding the childish equivalent of why the fuck is that happening? Yeah, it's a sharp pain. Isn't it's it? an incredibly sharp pain. I yeah, got, yeah. I got, I got one like that caught under between. I've got a quarter B between there and then as I move my arm and then it's. Oh no, that's not good. No, it hurt. Yeah, yeah. Good will. question, it. But it's yeah, going to just be the same answer. Yeah, I do remember it. Fucking hurt. I got stung. Uh, two, I got stung two weeks. I mean, it's been very waspy year this year, it? hasn't it? Do you think? You have no opinion on this? You all live in a fucking flat in Bermondsey. You don't know. <laughs> we live it's in London. Really, it's been a really waspy year. And then, but I found wasps hanging around, like... Because I thought wasps basically hung around bins. Like, yeah. they're the tramps of the insect world. They just, <laughs> you just see them around bins. But they, but they, hang, around, um, they hang around the grass, which I have to mow. And so uh, I'm constantly disturbing these wasps, and they, they sting me. Whilst I'm, whilst I'm doing the grass. That's your that punishment. Is modern life, man. That's your punishment for having a garden well, big so enough to I mow. Got, I got a fly mow, so I go around with the fly mow up like that, and <laughs> fucker. And I worry about taking the bin off the back because they're going to fly out and attack. It's probably me. your fault that bees are dying out. And that oh we're no, going it's to... bit, I leave bees alone. Well, it's hard to tell in, the, in that blind rage of panic. <laughs> yeah, that is when true. When you see them buzzing around, that is true. But I sort of imagine that bees are apologetic about <laughs> it somehow. It's a bit English. Sorry. I'm so sorry. It's just what we do. So it's been it's about three years since you uh, were yeah, last have you been? here. I've been all right. You are now nearly the same age as I was when I last interviewed you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, how's we that working out for you? <clears throat> it's fine. Yeah. Absolutely. How are your testicles now? Because we talked for quite some time about. We talked for quite some time about testicles. I mean, I think they're fine. I warned you about the, what was going to happen within three years to your testicles. Maybe, maybe what you should do is, you know, how with, with, with your kids you have little pencil marks <laughs> on the door. So you had tattooists just to <laughs> do your ages down your leg. 78. And maybe an artist's impression of, uh, of the. <laughs> <laughs> did we? Did we come to any conclusions about what could be done about that? No, I don't. I think just uh, that would be a ha- thing to go on Dragon's Den with. <laughs> I've got an aging ball hammock. <laughs> it's a hammock. Some kind of hammock would work. What would you pitch? Well, it to? I wear pants, so that generally does the trick. <laughs> <laughs> I find that they have a sort of inbuilt hammockish mechanism. I they do per se. Yeah. I don't wear pants. You don't wear pants. No. <laughs> I just let it all. This is body paint. <laughs> might do one that's an absolutely amazing thing to do isn't it? men can't get away with body painting quite the same way particularly something in that gene area wait what <laughs> those are very tight aren't they <laughs> especially if your balls if you've got your mid 40s balls kind of swinging like a grandfather's pendulum just above your just well, above you your knees come, come back, I think you should come back every three years and we see we can measure my balls <laughs> and when it happens okay I should yeah. I'll come on with like I'll have a white like a line on the I'll draw a line on this pair I'll keep these jeans okay and right. then I'll, we'll keep we'll keep them as, as a record good luck it'll be lovely that'd be great that and you know that'll be like sort of like the kind of experiment that Darwin would have done over time you know <laughs> those gentlemen scientists of the Victorian era who spent 20 years looking at worms in their garden for you know for, for posterity. So that's what that's. They, we will go down in in history as some kind of medical researchers. Yeah, it would be good. this is good. How how your testicles change from the age of forty four? <laughs> so sign up. The we'll need a control. Not going with it. Um, so maybe a woman could do it because that's not going to change. That would be proper control. Yeah. 
I don't really understand science. I do women have... I don't know, I don't know. I think women might have testicles. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Because Donald Trump grabs their pussies, which suggests that the pussies are external in some way to be able to grab... I don't know them. if he knows what that means. No, I don't know if he... Mm. I don't know if... He, it's, to me, it sounds like somebody who tends a lot of time grabbing male genitalia because you can do that. Yeah. So he's kind of going, yeah, that's what I do. I love grabbing yeah. pussies. Yeah. I get all actually, three bits. Yeah, got them all. I hold on to them. It's quite hard to... You know, they're quite... To grab it... Yeah. I mean, he's it's an old man. Like he's, an old... Worked a, he's probably worked a technique out. <laughs> Maybe, yes. He's ha- he seems to have had a lot of practice <laughs> of a, a sexual assault. Well, he might be the President of the United States, as you say that, and he oh. could, there may be a drone heading for your garden. Yeah, uh, but it's probably just for... Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Delivering more ball hammocks. <laughs> On Did Prime. Quick, next day, ball hammock delivery. That's, what, that's how Prime gets you, isn't it? <laughs> is it true, this is something you've claimed and I don't I, think it's I true. I've claimed it. Do you have the ability to tell if a trampoline is correct to the correct tensile strength? When did I claim that? <laughs> you claim that. <laughs> when did I claim You claimed that in an interview. Uh, I can't remember. I think with the Daily Mail. That feels they like... They said, what's your special ability? And you said, I have the ability to tell oh, trampoline. that sounds like a man just going, that's a fucking stupid <laughs> question. Here's a fucking stupid answer. <laughs> and then you said something about being able to tell... You know, you need to get it right, because if you get it wrong, your children end up in the next garden. <laughs> I, I mean, thought that it seems was... Like a re- that, on your feet, that seems like a reasonable response to a very <laughs> dull it was, question. It's a good thing I to come up I, with. Um, yeah, I, no, I don't think I, I, I do. Have you ever tried to put up a trampoline? No. It's, you need two... Have you ever tried to do it on your own? You can't do them on your own. You need, you need two people, because yeah. there comes a point where you're going... <laughs> with the last spring, yeah. and you realise you realize that all that time you spent laughing at the world's strongest man on Boxing Day. <laughs> you need one of them now. Sounds like you do know a lot about trampoline. Yeah, I know enough. I've got, I've got a trampoline. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got a trampoline. Um, tell me the story Eight about... Foot. You were... Uh, Lots of people were putting... When, when Doctor Who was changing last time, lots of people put money on you becoming the new Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, was, well, the new... Yes, they did, they did, they did, that's true. They and did. you were quite high, the odds were I quite was, big, and people were saying... And, like, place. people were putting three-figure sums on you did being you? Doctor Who. I didn't put any money on it. <laughs> that was... that. So, the, that came about because... Because when, the when there's going to be a new Doctor on Doctor Who, there is an absolute vacuum of information. They, they lock everything down. And even... The, and the person who is going to... Who is cast, is not allowed to tell anyone. So Peter didn't tell his daughter. Right. Uh, I, I think he only told his wife. And his, so, and, and his daughter was going. His daughter was saying, "Oh, they're talking about all these people. Why? That, why are they talking about you? You could be doc. You could be the doctor." <laughs> and he already knew. But um, but uh, so there's a total vacuum. And so because there's a total vacuum of information, any nugget of information gets blown out of all, all proportion. And my very funny friend Jeff Lloyd, who is uh, on Absolute Radio. Uh, who I've known for you know, 25 years and is a who, hilarious uh, man. If you listen to the last podcast, did a terrible fart at the Sliding Doors Oh, that's right, yes, he was meant to, Yes, he did. He did an awful <laughs> fart at the Sliding Doors yeah. premiere. Yeah, so those are the two things you need to know about Jeff. Very funny on Absolute Radio and did an awful fart. Yeah. And, but he also, uh, he's quite good mates with Paloma Faith and he, pr- pr- he persuaded her to put on her Twitter friend at Cardiff says Chris Addison is the next Doctor Who. Wow. Leave it up for five minutes and then delete it. 
Uh, and, but, but of course, people are going, huh? oh, and she's deleted it! That must mean it's true. And so the bookies went lunatic and put me in that thing. To the point where when, he, when the news came out about uh, Pete being cast, he contacted me going, I'm really sorry, I know your name was in the frame. <laughs> Imagine if it had worked, though, the producers of Doctor Who might went, oh, fuck, Paloma Faith has said it. <laughs> yeah, we better, we better make We've it. We've got it wrong. We've got it wrong on this form. <laughs> Scratch that name off. It was we'll one of the blokes fun. from the thick of it. We, we got the wrong yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> turn on, and there's Justin Edwards. That's but, good. Um, yeah, uh, so that's what happened there. Was, there was no real chance of my actually being that. But they're just so desperate, they need any piece of information. But you were, you have been on Doctor Who, though. I have been on Doctor Three Who. Three times. Three times. Yeah. Yeah, I, and, and I read 25% of an audio book. <laughs> there you are. So I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the family now. Did you just get bored and then say, I can't, I can't, I can't, be, bothered, I can't be bothered doing this? Get something else. Uh, no, we, uh, I read three of the 12 Doctors of Christmas. I oh, did you? Yeah. Four, eight, and 12. Uh, and um, uh, but yeah, no, it was fantastic to do that. It was a shame not to get to do a scene with Peter. Yes. but uh, I did get to work with Michelle Gomez, who is phenomenal and who I just loved from Green Wing on. Really, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was just excellent just to yeah. hang around with her. Is that well? I mean, you've done the last two or three years. You've done some quite astonishing things. Have you already? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So is that was that like an ambit? Was it kind of exciting to be on Doctor Who? Right. Were you a fan of it when you were a kid? And. Mm. I loved it when I was a kid. I mean, yeah. I, it was... It's like my, my agent rang me up and went, you need to sit down now. <laughs> and I went, okay. And he said, um, Doctor Who have offered you a part. And I, I mean, it was just... It was ridiculous because I, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, I, I really loved what Russell T. Davis and then subsequently Stephen Moffat did with it when they brought it back. I thought that was really smart and clever. And, uh, yeah, so just to, be, just to be there was something else. And it was really exciting. I turned up. The, the first thing I did was I turned up for a wardrobe fitting and a table read. Table read is, I'm sure you know, but for those who don't, table read is when uh, everybody in the cast and the producer sort of sit around and you read the thing, you read the script out. Everyone who's playing the parts reads the script out. So you can get a sense of what it's like and that allows people to rewrite and all, all of this stuff. And uh, so I just went down to Cardiff for that. I wasn't shooting anything. And uh, I was in this trailer and I heard this, where is he? And Peter came in in the full thing. He was in like, he was in the full doctor thing. And then he hauled me out and sat me in the TARDIS. I mean, it was just amazing. <laughs> but I'm going to just wait there. And I was just in a canvas chair in the TARDIS watching him and Jenna doing a scene above me going, this is fucking surreal. And, then, and if I had told my, you know, 10-year-old, 12-year-old self that that was happening, I would have gone out of my mind it was fantastic yeah so did you get to joy. travel in time in the in the TARDIS well really? um, so we shot for about uh, we shot for about six hours and um, when we came out it was six hours later <laughs> that's, that's, so that's it really spooky. does work <laughs> yeah exciting um, so I've got some uh, new emergency questions I'd like to try out on you great um, well then my favourite new emergency question is if you had to do a human centipede with two other people <laughs> And you are in the middle. You know what a human centipede is, Chris? Have you, I have a vague have you seen idea. So I am, I'm ingesting... What am I yeah, you're in the middle, so your mouth has been stitched to the anus of your... But you can... Cho- I'm nicer than the guy in the film. You can choose the other people. So I have to so, choose whose shit to swallow. Yeah, and then... But who so your us? question is, whose shit <laughs> would you swallow? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. whose shit would you be most prepared to swallow? I just think... The and then, but then you're... Then you're combination of their shit and your shit will go into the mouth of the person behind you so that's 
a little treat to make up. I honestly <laughs> think the biomechanics of this haven't entirely been thought through. Right. Because, like, you know, what about the gag reflex? Is it not going to go... You it's know, not mad, is it? You gag, gag and then it won't, can't go back up the anus very far, can it? And if it does, it'll just slip back down again. <laughs> so then you'll be swallowing your own... I think you'd learn not to swallow your own sick. Cause but how do you swallow? Because you're presumably... I think it's difficult to swallow. Well, it's difficult to, you know, not, not swallow if your mouth is full of the shit of... Whoever this person is, I just people seem I'm... very uh, also. Where's my nose? This right. Question. So how much oxygen can well, I get? I mean, in? your nose must be. I don't. You know, Andy is in uh, the noses in the human centipedes. You've Where's made. the nose? Uh, do you can make sure the nose? How is... can they breathe though? Where's that? I mean, because if you're well, like, you're there, you've got like a little gap. No, you haven't. You've got no, the cleft of the anus is which there. Which is holding the nostrils <laughs> no. shut, presumably. You could do it just Unless, above. Uh, so people, that's their anus cleft, and then that's, and then you breathing in probably something. It, it, it but you can't to... breathe in also because if the esophagus is is that's why the... you've got to get swallowing, man. That's why you've got you've got no. Plus, you have the benefit of going. This is unpleasant, but it's not as bad as what's happening. <laughs> what's going to happen in ten minutes? So it's all like being in a traffic queue. <laughs> I'm fucking annoyed about the traffic queue, but at least we didn't turn up a, a minute later. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I would think probably. Um, uh, the Queen and Prince Philip. <laughs> <laughs> it's the obvious answer. Yeah. Well, not least because you'd have, one of them would probably die. And then... <laughs> you know, they've... What happened? Well, actually, I think Philip would really just last. <laughs> he's... he's He's, just, he's leather, isn't he? Well, There's... he was meant to die when... I used to have a routine what? about... He was meant... Him and Nelson Mandela were in hospital at the same time, and I had a joke about God had an excellent opportunity to show us whether racism was right or wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and I was Uh-oh. hoping... Uh-oh. And God didn't come out of it very well, because no. he killed Nelson Mandela and let Prince Philip live for another five or six years. Yeah, he, I mean, they are he's incredible. The, he's the indestructible. Yeah, they live for a long time. So I think, you think, he, could, I think he could survive on a diet... Uh, presuming oh, it's the bottom of your and the Queen's shit, I think he could get enough. I mean, the Queen has a very nutrient-rich diet. I'm sure a lot of those nutrients must come through her shit. But I think the other thing she is that those are people who would be missed. Yeah. So there'd be a search. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, there are, they'd be among the most missed people. Because, yeah. you know, if you, just, if you went for, I don't know, if you said... If you, if you picked a rock star, people go, oh, it's just a lost weekend, there's no, there's no point looking for him. Mm-hmm. But if the Queen and Prince Philip were kidnapped and surgically attached <laughs> to, to a human centipede, there would definitely be... The police would definitely get called. Yeah. And they've probably got some kind of homing device inside their skin. I would imagine they've been chipped at the vets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the royal family have probably all been chipped. Yeah. I bet Harry was chipped when he went out into Afghanistan. Because, <laughs> you know, what if he went got kidnapped you need to know where he was wouldn't you yeah hey it's interesting what happens though andy you're my human centipede expert so like the why, why is he does he breathe because he's seen he's seen i think he probably does them but he's seen two of the three films so that's for me is that's all he's interested two of the three yeah, films. He's interesting enough so to after watch. one film you went oh well you know <laughs> that wasn't appalling then you went back but yeah. after two you went no I mean this idea is yeah. run its course <laughs> it's, 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 getting, it's getting out it's getting, getting silly, silly now yeah come on in the films does <laughs> that the, was do very people... far-fetched that thing they did in that second thing about a chain of people being sewn together do the lower do the lower legs the lower people start dying 
So someone, the middle one dies, maybe, and the other two are still alive, or the end one dies. Well, how does the... But the one at the top, presumably, the front one, the Queen, or Gemma Chan in my case, is not going to die from this, is it? It's going to be inconvenient, but they'll just be dragging around the corpse. Eventually, the corpses of the other two will rot away and fall off, and she'll be free to defecate as per normal. <laughs> so the first person doesn't die, presumably. You can't remember. You're not much of an expert, are you, on the human sense? I mean, I could I Google mean, it now and we could all watch it and then we'd I, know. I don't think that trying to bring to bear the rules of reality on it is necessarily the best use I, of your time. I am sure the producers of that film felt very different. I've really thought of the logic of the world. Did, yeah. They were quite rigorous. I think it's quite interesting. If you're going to do it, I mean, at least do it properly. Do it properly. I think if they were yeah, any good as writers, they would have at least done a dry run of it with a couple <laughs> yeah, of... That would be a hell of a table, read, wouldn't it? <laughs> Why are the chairs all behind each other? I think that's a good... Here's a good question. Have you ever lived in an igloo? No. No. I mean, it isn't a good question. <laughs> because if you have... it's a binary answer. If I had... I mean, if I have, you hit, you've hit gold. No, yeah. no question. Okay. But the likelihood of anybody that you are going to interview... Yeah. It's not... It's not no, I think it's a good question. Very few, I mean, do people live in igloos now? Is that a thing? That is racist. <laughs> No, it really isn't. What is the most impressive celebrity that ever came to visit your school and give a talk? The most impressive celebrity who ever came to visit my school? Like either give a talk or whatever. Uh, I have a feeling that James Anderton, the chief constable of Greater <laughs> yeah. Manchester, do you remember who hated him? the people with AIDS? Who yeah, AIDS who, yeah, yeah and, who, sewer, and who uh, believed that voices from God were directing his police work. Yeah. I think he came and gave us a talk. <laughs> yes. Did he convince you? Of his, was he allowed to spout those views or did he just talk about the police work uh, I think he w- I don't think I think he kept a lid on the views yeah uh, he had an uh, impressive beard you guys he had a very impressive him. he had a very impressive beard he yeah. would only take uh, uh, nighttime speaking arrangements because he had to begin with evening all <laughs> uh, and uh, it's a religious thing yeah. for the police yeah but I don't remember anything about what he said except yeah. that was that's quite exciting it's cool yeah. yeah dead now he is dead mm. good well, I mean, it's a fair bet. At this point in 2016, anyone you mention is <laughs> yeah, dead. it could be. I mean, if Prince Philip dies between this and it going out, we'll, well, probably, have to, we'll probably have to drop I, that I bit. I really like Philip. Do you? I'll be sorry when he goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. No. Why? He's great. He's great. He's a genuinely funny person. Like he's he's funny. But if you but imagine being in his position because he's a, like he's an uber alpha male who essentially has been in, for the last. Where are we? Like, I don't know. How long have they been married? Seventy years. It's has, a long had time. To, you know, had to sort of put all of that stuff in a box and follow um, and follow the Queen around, which is not in his sort of wiring. And so I think just every so often his personality just goes out of the box. <laughs> yeah. And I quite like those moments. <laughs> when he turned ninety, there was a real sort of outpouring of affection. There's loads of amazing stories. I heard, I've told this on I've this story on stage, well, but it is great. Uh, this guy said that he'd, he said, I met Prince Philip twice. He said, once in the 60s and once again in the 80s. He said, in the 60s, um, I was out driving at night in London. He said, it was very late at night. And in the 60s, not many cars in London, not like it is now, particularly not, you know, two o'clock in the morning or whatever. So I was driving through central London, Victoria sort of area, and, uh, and then it got cut up by a mini, right? Really cut me off. And I was fucking furious. He said, and I, he stopped at a light and I drew up next to him and I ran the window down. What the fuck are you doing? He said, there was a massive guy in the passenger seat who wound the window down. Uh, and, uh, and a 
Prince Philip leaned across, it was in the driver's seat, leaned across this guy, went, pulled the, vi- <laughs> pulled the visa at him, and drove off. He said, and I met him again at a party in the 80s, and I told him that story, and he said, sounds like me. <laughs> Have you seen the website Dirty Britcom Confessions, Chris Addison? You don't ever Google yourself. That's, is that true? Uh, oh, never, never, never Google yourself. You should, I've Googled you. Daughter Madness. There's some great oh, thanks, stuff on Rich. Well, just keep it to yourself, <laughs> hey, love? Yeah, no, don't Google yourself. That's crazy. No? I Google crazy, myself. Crazy, crazy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of it. Uh, I don't know that, but I've not Googled, so I've not seen that website. Dirty Britcom Confessions is where people <laughs> anonymously give their sexual fantasies about... Comedians, mm. British comedians usually. Do they leave contact numbers? <laughs> they don't, it's anonymous, well, so you can never really find not through. thought through. There's an interesting... Because there are a lot of British comedians who would absolutely phone them up off the back of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is one. I wonder what Chris Addison's hand would feel like sneaking into my knickers as we sat at the, <laughs> the Mock the Week desks together. Illegal. <laughs> <laughs> feel Illegal. Could be. I mean, Great. it might be. You know, that might be Russell. Was Howard that Hugh? Did Hugh write? Yeah. H. Dennis <laughs> Hastings. But uh, there's a lot. People are obsessed with your hands. That's the my sexy hands. thing about your. Uh, someone else says my sort of Chris Addison. Hands. Chris Addison's hands. Oh my fucking god! He can fu- he can finger me any day. Any day you want, Chris. Any, there must be some days where it's not convenient. <laughs> <laughs> However much you feel that that's something you would enjoy, there must you be some days when you think, no, today if it's not. you good. turned up and they were at their parents' funeral, well, both yeah, their parents had died together. I've got to give the eulogy. Listen, I'm on a, I'm on a clock here. There's a metre out there. I've run out of change, and I don't want to do the ring and go thing because it takes 45 minutes. Just Yeah. I'll hide <laughs> under the pulpit. <laughs> like, like at the end of Police Academy. <laughs> did we ever tempted to finger anyone under the desks at Mock the Week? Was that, did that ever cross well, your I mind? Well, I always sat next to Hugh, so it never yeah. came, okay. came no, up as a, as a, as an a attractive man. Well, Milton was always on the other side of him, okay. so I, could never, I couldn't reach around. Can we to, see to your Milton. hands to see the... the, the I mean, they're oh, yeah. quite... They're, they're long, they're long, long. fingers. Do you they're want to long. Ca- compare to mine? Because I have an average size hand. <laughs> <laughs> I have the size hand of a... You've uh, got the hands of a giant there, Chris. Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. I've got very small... No one, no one wants me to finger them on uh, the British Comedy. What do you think? Size you should important. get some of those, um, you know, those magic trick uh, <laughs> fake fingers in your thumb that you could pull off. What about, and just post a picture after each one of those comments. Just send a picture of yourself. And I'm going, what about now, ladies? <laughs> I want to, have you ever seen, you won't have done because you don't Google I'm yourself. I Google myself. But, because um, this, I mean, what? But this is kind of interesting. This isn't nasty. This is um, the YouGov pro- profiles of. Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> polled. Hold me. Uh, there's no. It's uh, oh, hold on. It's yeah. It's it, it's. I had it up on here, so I'm going to start. Yeah. Again. Hold on. Uh, and it keeps on going off. Uh, so it's got. It's a demographic of your fans. Uh, we talked about this. Wow, a bit, is that a thing? Yeah. So this is what your oh. fan looks like. He's where he's listening to headphones. Right. No, that's just a picture of me. <laughs> He's Literally, got... that, is, that just says the only person who likes Chris is Chris. <laughs> uh, he looks quite young. In fact, he is quite young. Uh, he, what he likes is um, your fan enjoys his lifestyle, is his favourite dish <laughs> is uh, pizza al quattro formaggio. That's so, the favourite dish. What that is, that's somebody... Oh, al quattro formaggio, yeah. not quattro stagione. Interesting. Yeah. A, cheesy, a cheese eater. Uh, the second favourite dish of your fan... Is edamame beans? 
The third favourite dish is cinnamon swirl. <laughs> well, at least he's getting some fibre there in between <laughs> the masses of carbs that seem to make up the main... No, that's possibly why my audiences are quite unresponsive, yeah. is the sheer <laughs> amount of carbohydrates. I thought I was just a bit shit, but it turns out they've all had deep pan and a lot of cheese. <laughs> Uh, they like writing, they like Scrabble, and they like pub quizzes. That's pretty right. bad. That's on. you. Yeah, I like all those things. <laughs> I but like it's you, entirely so I described you so far, actually. They like Formula One and track cycling. No. Oh, they're track cycling, yes. Okay. 100%. Formula One, no, uh, that's for idiots. And their most likely pet is a cat. That is true of me. So well, that's a I'm one in two, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> is there somebody the most likely pet is a servile? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here's some things that your fans think. I think newspapers should encourage debate and challenge perspectives. Well, I don't think they should encourage debate and that all comment sections should be closed, surely. <laughs> don't think comment sections are doing any good to anyone, including the commenters. I would not be able to manage without the internet, your fan says. Nobody would be able to manage without the internet. That's where we are. That's why the UN talks about it as a basic human right now, because that's where we've got to. Now, the thing about your fans, they have a very low... Um, Pain threshold. No, there's a very low. <laughs> they have very little disposable income. They're quite left wing. Oh, that would explain they have a lot. They 125 pounds to 499 pounds a monthly spare. What? That's not too bad. Oh, that's terrible. Fair. If I'm going to have to, I mean, I mean, in terms of pricing my tickets, yeah, that's exactly. not good news for for Chrissy. But there's there's there is some. They like they shop at Sainsbury's. Fair enough. Yeah, that's where I got the champagne. Uh, but yeah, uh, but, they, but they avoid taste the difference. There's <laughs> because they're on a budget. Their favourite celebrity is Andy Parsons. <laughs> okay. Wait, but am I not their favourite? So, like, the, 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 my fans don't even like me best. <laughs> this is really Their favourite film is Wallace and Gromit because... <laughs> not even the wrong trousers. They don't like that. Oh. They like the were-rabbit better. Well, well, I think they want something that's feature-length. That's okay. their favourite thing. Well, that's a great film. With an absolutely packed full of brilliant jokes and performances. Their so favourite TV show is Mock the Week. So that's, that's Their favourite TV show is Mock the Week? Yeah. yeah, I can understand why that would okay. be. So there, but there's a disparity between all of the uh, supermarket stuff. Um, so they, their top websites visited include waitrose.com is that just to stare <laughs> through the window like Victorian children look at the things they can't have and the, look look how much plumper their edamame beans are and the magazines they read is Tesco Real Food <laughs> you gov your shit look, your there's shit a, there's a picture of him reading Tesco Real Food and the Guardian um, so that's who I have. <laughs> you Your fan watches TV for less than one hour per week. Mm. Yeah, his TV shows watched recently are Mock the Week, Only Connect, The Last Leg Out of Ten Cats Go to Scandans, Have a Got Been More News for You. I like that Only Connect is the second one there. Only Connect, or as I call it, Here Come the Virgins. What do you think, Peter? <laughs> no, I don't know. I think no, no, <laughs> um, uh, Oh, bless. Do you want to see some of mine before we move on? Yes, I really do. <laughs> what constitutes watching TV now? Well, I, I mean, don't know. That's, but mine's, watch. mine's what, less than one hour a week. And, and the, my, the favourite... One pro- hour a week? The, yeah. The, the, the what favorite, are they doing? The mo- it says the recently... Masturbating <laughs> to the foods in Tesco Real Food. Look at that ready-made lasagna. Look who my fan... Look, that's my fan. That's not... Hello. Me. It's Andrew Collins. It is Andrew Collins. Andrew Collins. My fans. uh, It's Andrew Collins with a big Kindle. My most likely pet is a bird, so take that. Wow, your guys are left field, man. (laughs) Uh, This is the things he thinks. Hold on. Um, 
the, this uh, is great. This is the kind like of rabbit this. hole that I could easily go down. I want to. Um, I want to get a screen. I think now for this show, I'm going to try and get. Yeah, that because inside. it is a bit shit for it all is. those people who paid that right. money, isn't it's it? Watches. I mean, we're having a great time with those poor bastards. It's not really working for my them. fans. Watch TV less than one hour per week. TV shows watched recently. Glastonbury 2015. <laughs> 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 That's the first one. I like the idea that they were watching this year's Glastonbury. Went, no, it's just not got it, has it? Something's. Something's missing. Darling, get the VHS. Now, my fan's favourite celebrity is Stuart Lee, and their favourite TV show is Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle. Oh, that could not be better. <laughs> it's like YouGov has been set up for 15 years just to get to that punchline. The whole thing is a massive troll of you. Because he... But my fans have £1,000 or more a month to spare. Yep, and Thanks, they're guys. spending That's it back. all on Stuart Lee <laughs> DVDs. Fun. Look, look how far to the left my fans are. They wow, they're Corbyn Easters, aren't they? Nearly, yeah. They're slightly worried that Corbyn's a bit goes soft beyond. on them. Which I everything. think, if I'm right, if I remember rightly, I did this before. I looked up Karl Marx. Let's see if this. I'll do this live. Who are his fans? What's their favourite show? <laughs> we'll tell us. Read it. Oh, fuck, he will. Karl Marx has got the same fan as yours. Oh, he's, they, actually, they are slightly, slightly more to the left But they're only... Here's what's worrying me, is they're all, they're all men. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's no, put in some... Um, who's a, let's put in uh, Dawn French, who will be a, a guest in the uh, future. Let's see if it's a lady. It's exciting, isn't it? Are you enjoying this? <laughs> men uh, look at websites. This is why dot com is uh, That lady is a nice... Like, lady looks a bit like Helen Daniels from Neighbours. <laughs> She does. She's, yeah. she's in a She's a bit Theresa May, actually. She's power yeah. suit, hair's kicked out. Well, that was fun for us. So uh, <laughs> I feel so much better informed and yet sadder. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird, but I think the thing someone told me, I think maybe even Ben Goldacre told me, that that is worked based on the things that people say different to other people. So when it comes up to those ridiculous things, oh. it's not actually their favourite thing. It's just that your fans... A, a oh, quattro from Agio Pizza is the, is the thing that they say that nobody else it says. It sort of doesn't reflect my experience of my audiences, who are, <laughs> like, from quite young to exceptionally old. I yeah. find, uh, like, a real uh, uh, range of people come and see my shows. So that seems a, a very... Yeah, and there's people who are definitely Mock the Week people, and there's people who are definitely Thick of It people. Yeah. And there's a few people who've been there for, you know, for 15 years, who are Radio yeah. 4 people. Well, I've, you know, I've got people, I think, who've been there for 30 yeah. years, who are like, so there's some really, yeah, old, yeah, really, yeah. who are maybe 10 years older than me, and now are really yeah. old, because I'm really old. And, uh, yeah. and then there's some, some youngsters come from the podcast, oh, I had a little lad there. That stuff can send you mad. You've got to, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's fun, but it can send you mad. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, are you still doing stand-up? Are you, are you gonna... I haven't for ages. It's no. Been, no, it's really because I just haven't had the opportunity. And the other thing is that because it's, it's hard, isn't it? When I, when I come and do things like this, I think, ah, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to be there on stage and talking to people. And, uh, but actually, stand-up itself is that's a muscle that needs proper work. And, uh, you know, even if you're, if, you're, if you're gigging regularly and you've not gigged for a week and you go on stage, you can feel it, can't you? You go, fuck me, I'm a bit rusty here. So if you haven't done it for quite a while you do need to sort of work quite hard to get to a point that you're, you're happy with. So it's not like I can phone somebody up and go, do you know what, I don't want to come down tonight and do 15 minutes or whatever. But I do wish I was in that position. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I mean, you are very busy. So you've been doing, in the, in the last three years, you were doing Veep, I think, last time we talked to you. And Probably, you were, yeah, I must have been, um, yeah, But you've obviously ago. been directing quite a lot of that, and yeah. then now you've stopped directing, that's, that's finished. Yeah, I'm done with the Armando. Now. Yeah, yeah, so I sort of stayed on for an extra year. After yeah. Armando left, I stayed on, HBO and Julia asked me if I, uh, the, and a couple of the other Brits, if we would stay on and sort of 
for continuity, really. Sure. So to, to sort of help um, Dave Mandel and his team get the style and all of that. But they, you know, ducks to water. It's easy for them. Yeah. <laughs> so they can, you know, and they're, so they're filming season six now. But it, sure. was sort of like, it was very strange when it, when it, when it shifted because we used to film it in Baltimore and it was all the thick of it gang and all you know and and the actors were all away as well so we were all on sort of sitcom camp together and then they moved it all to LA uh, for for season five once Arm left and um, I was the only one away and I was going out of my mind with yeah. uh, with sort of with that it was I was just on a, in a hotel on my own which was kind of crazy and away from my family and stuff so it just sort of felt like. You know, Dave, Dave. Dave has earned the right. I mean, he won an Emmy for it, so you know he's absolutely earned the right to 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 just take that show on sure. himself. And I don't really want to be the ghost at the feast, and I don't want to be away from my family. No, so. I mean that's the way. I mean, it's obviously Armando, who we've had on, was saying similar things. It must be so difficult. I mean, I'm, if I'm away for four nights yeah. in touring the country, you know, yeah, in Manchester or whatever, it's very difficult to be away. Yeah. yeah. So it must be difficult to be in a, well, another country. Last and... year was brutal. Last last uh, autumn. So, because I, I directed four of the first five of of season five, yeah, and uh, so I was away for three and a half months, which is the longest we've ever done, and and the the schedule always slips, and it all you, you always end up later. And uh, there was a point I'd been away for maybe I don't know, uh, probably over two months at that point. Got to go home for like six days, and then there was only ten more days that I had to do. Yeah, uh, and we all thought, "Oh, this is going to be a piece of piss. This is going to be because now we're, we're basically through it. Now we've done the hard yards. I just have to do these ten days." But the, those ten days were the hardest. Yeah. Just for some reason, I think it's you know you go home and you think, "Oh, I'm, I'm here," and I've you know and um, you know I've got young kids, so yeah. it's it's really it's really hard. It's hard for them as well, and they're sure. quite used to it. And they're pretty resilient because kids are, but it, it, yeah, it's not it's not good. So, will you do more? I mean, there must be more offers coming in. You've, I mean, you've won yeah. out. You've been nominated for doctor uh, for director of Emmys. Did you did you win the? I, I didn't win the Emmy. I won the director award. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's, and that's great. I mean, you know, just being nominated is pretty yeah. extraordinary. And, and uh, yeah, so so there are other things that I'm that I'm planning to do, and some of them will will sort of take me out to to America. But yeah, but. But also, you know, if I do other episodes of other sitcoms, it's a different thing. I can just go prep for a week, shoot for a week, come home, and that's much more manageable to yeah. do sort of one episode at a time. Uh, or if there are, there are bigger projects, then those bigger projects are ones that I'm sort of... I don't know, I'm then, then I'm kind of more heavily involved in it as well, and there's a, there's a better reason to go away for a length of time. But also, you know, now you can... What we used to do in the, in, in the first four seasons of Veep, as, as Arm was telling you, you know, it was all written here, we edited it all here. So we were really only in Baltimore. It was a few months, but we were only there for the shoot yeah. in America. And, you know, it's not like that now. That shows... But, but, you, can, but you can do that with, you know, you can make, you can make anything over Skype. Yeah. And oh, yeah, and down ISDN lines and 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 so on. You can edit. You can edit in another country from the person that you're that yeah. you're editing with. In fact, we used to do that on Veep. So we used to edit our shows in uh, in Goldcrest Studios, which is in Soho, and uh, we had a link to our production offices in Baltimore, so that when we were sort of in the middle of a season, you could actually there's a room in our production offices with a sofa and a big telly. <clears throat> you walk in. And you go, hello, uh, and suddenly there would be the editor saying, hello, uh, from, from Goldcrest. And, you know, like a TV that size would, uh, the, just perfect pictures, uh, 
real-time editing. It was extraordinary, uh, yeah. sort of 3,000 miles apart. So what you can do now at a distance means that, and cheaply, means that you know, you, it's possible to do it, yeah, yeah. More, more of it from here. It's amazing. I was talking to... Will Smith was on oh, uh, yeah, yeah, last yeah. week, well, we've got and, a, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I get confused, uh, and uh, but it also came along with one of the writers of Veep. So we were talking about, yeah. but they, they, you know, in America they take it so much more seriously, and there's proper money for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. and so, you know, like we were talking about the fact that writers in the UK yeah. are almost the lowest commodity. I, I sort of think the writer is. Without the writer, you've got nothing. Yeah, in the absolutely. UK, we're treated like the writer is the most insignificant yeah, person. Definitely. Yeah, you go to America and, and the right, there's a lot of yeah. writers, but they're all treated yeah. extremely well. The interesting thing is it seems that, that there is a difference between film and TV. Yeah. So in TV, the writer is kind of king yeah. um, in that respect. You know, when you hear of showrunners, when you hear, you know, Armando or Vince Gilligan for Breaking Bad or, you know, any of those people, they've chased from The Sopranos, whatever. Those people, uh, or, sh- you know, Shonda Rhimes, and those are the people who, who uh, they're, they're writers at heart, those people that, that are running those shows. Um, and the writers have a, a very exalted position. Because, and, you know, when people talk about the success of a show, they talk about its writing. And, and it's only lately, actually, in... Uh, especially in drama terms, that people have started to talk about the direction of TV shows because it's become much more cinematic. Things like True Detective and The Night Of are really good examples. Game of Thrones, some extraordinary things happen on Game of Thrones from kind of a directing point of view. But people don't really talk about that stuff so much in TV. In film, you only ever hear... You know, this film is a whoever... The yeah, a yeah. somebody film, and somebody is the director, and they may not have written any of it. The True. writer is incredibly lowly... In that, even yeah, somebody who's really well thought of, like Charlie Kaufman, I mean, maybe it's different if you're Charlie Kaufman or, you know, uh, or, or, or Richard Curtis or whatever, but, but you're, the writer of a, t- of a movie is uh, sort of, it's, it's like it's flipped. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, a lot of the, I think we talked about it a little bit before, but like a lot of the, the reasons this happened, I mean, you wanted to do directing when yeah. you were. A kid, didn't you? Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Director. yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it's yeah. kind of amazing that this is, you know, you've gone through stand up and yeah. you've got these, this, it was all this kind of little bits of chance that you were at the right yeah. place at the right time Definitely. and something came along, you got in the thick of it because you were in the news quiz and, yeah. you know, you met people because yeah. you were at a certain place at yeah. the right time. And so it's incredible that you suddenly find yourself at the Emmys. Yeah. You know, taking photos. I mean, there's all these photos on Twitter of you with all the cast of yeah. the Veep, obviously, yeah. and and with your Emmys. It's sort of yeah. it's unbelievable in a way, isn't it's it? Mental. I mean, it's great. But it it's is like... absolutely mental. The, my um, the the Emmy that I the actual statue. Um, I came home and uh, I uh, and my kids went well, show show us show us and I got it out and I showed it to them and I just put it on the side. And it's, that's, it's just stayed there because I, I can't think of anywhere that I would put <laughs> such a thing. Yeah. So uh, it's just sort of there on the side. So, and the consequence of that is that sometimes I sort of come in the door and go, fucking ridiculous. This <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem remotely real to me. I mean, but it, it, yeah, I mean, I also, when I went into stand-up, I, I, I sort of got distracted into stand-up and I love stand-up and it's a brilliant art form and um, one that I, I just love to do. But when I did it, I knew that I didn't have any ambition. I didn't, you know, I didn't calculate it and think, well, this will take me by this clever series of chess moves to the thing that I want to do. I sort of, the odd thing is that because I hadn't always wanted to be a stand-up, I sort of went into it without any particular ambitions or targets or goals. And, I, and that meant that I went where opportunity sort of took me. So occasionally people would go, try this. And I go, oh, okay, and wander over there, try that. 
But I did know also that one of the things about stand-up is because you are writing and you're performing, which are two very different um, uh, uh, talents and disciplines and arts, what have you, um, you're actually in a position... You can do an awful lot once once people are convinced that you've figured out stand up. You can yeah. you can say, well, I could write you a sitcom. I could you know, or, or I can act in a thing, or I can direct a thing. They're much more. It's a really good art form mm-hmm. to start with. It can convince people that you've got the chops to do other things. Mm. No, it's, it's yeah, it's interesting. Look, I'm gonna. You know, last time you on, I gave you a hard time about uh, being an advert. You did, um, but I just want to take a little break uh, to. Um, <laughs> oh. I've just been sent this, uh, it's a beer card game from uh, Hip Hops. They're really great. You can find them at www.hiphops.cards. What is it? Explain it to me, Rich. I will. I've I've got to see if you like it. So, uh, A, you get a beer, which I'll give you. I'll give you a free beer. I haven't got a bottle opener. It's uh, It's Punk IPA. IPA. Brewdog Punk IPA, postmodern classic. Look at that. Didn't have to put that on there. And then it's like top trumps of... I didn't. I don't fully understand how it works. If you go to their website, there's um, there's a uh, very funny video of a man singing a song about it that makes it quite complicated. And you get um, <laughs> you get two cards each. Right. Let's see how we go. And then um, no, that doesn't look like a real card. No, this. And I've got one of those. Yeah. What's that? What is that? Have then? that one there. And then. Why does it look like a real card? Oh, anyway, you play it and it's good. So uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> Is it just top trumps? What? It's top trumps. You have to go the lowest alcohol and then you have to play a higher alcohol and so on. Right. It's really good. Um, okay. It's my favourite game. So it's top trumps. It's, my it's top trumps with beer. It's with beer and you drink beer while you do it and it's my favourite game at the moment. I just thought I'd, met, I just thought I'd bring it up apropos Well, I've nothing. really enjoyed playing it <laughs> It's been really good and I can see uh, that I would definitely do that. But Chris Evans, not on that one. Uh, his kids love playing it, so we're going to send those cards back to him. Well, that's great. Well, I, I like it. I like, are, you, are you supposed to win the beer? Why is the beer... No, I think you just have a drink of beer to, and then that makes the boring game quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That another one in there? Is there more cards? I don't. I don't know. I, know, I mean, you nice know, it's box. quite a good box. It's a nice box. We'll give the box to uh, Andy McH. Would you like that? <laughs> well, there's loads of stuff in there actually. I'm not giving him that. Uh, there's some cocaine in there. I didn't know about it before. Uh... Okay. So, uh, and is the, I, it's they, literally they... just beer top trump. Sharp. It's good. No, no. I'm just. I'm just trying to get my head round it. Yeah. I'm it's it's it top is. trump. You play a card, and then you would say you've got to pay one with the same more alcohol, and then you go, all right, I'm going for bitterness. Brilliant. And then you've got to find one that's more bitter. Well, actually, I do much prefer this to, yeah. you know, Skylanders top trumps or whatever. I, yeah. You know. So that's bitterness, by the way? What, what was your bitterness on there? What was the what? What's the bitterness? Tell me the bitterness uh, of your beer. My bitterness on here is 20. Ah, uh, 42. Well, I think that's mine. I don't think it, it doesn't quite work like that, but it's a good. Yes, game. it literally works like um, that. That is exactly how it works. So, but go and buy that. Uh, and oh, uh, right. they've been nice. They've given us some money to make the show, so they're very good nice for them. People. And lots of uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have one put, of all of them. You can play it whenever you want. Uh, Dean Rutland is the VIP. Uh, I'll do get all this out of the way while we can. There's Dean. Uh, have you got a question for Chris? You'd like to ask him? Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can, you have, can you have the beer? Have the beer? Well, I don't know. That's a, that's a licensing question. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're allowed to have bottles in the theatre, so you can have it later. You really wasted a question. <laughs> that was a really... I mean, you could have found it out felt anything. like a good joke at the time. Dean, you got a free half a bottle of champagne. Did you? you? Agree? Yeah, greedy. Oh, you don't want to mix well, them. Well, when I say free... 
It was a quarter for you. Well, if you were quick, you could have got more. Bettina looks like she can knock it uh, out. So I'm did sorry. you have a... Do you, want a, do you want a second go at a question? Or... Um, so I was going to ask a question about community, actually. Oh, yeah. He is, like yeah, community? I noticed that. I do, I've not seen a lot of it, but I do like it. Yeah. I love Gillian Jacobs. I yes. think she's amazing. It would be dr- tricky because I'd have to change my name by deed for it because it is actually called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which makes it, him hard to replace. <laughs> he's saying if you that's could, very much why he's that done that people. deal. If, if you could replace John Oliver in the Last in Week last Tonight week. with yep. John Oliver... It meant that community never existed. But it meant community never existed. Would you do it? Would you do it? Um, well, that's a tricky one because he's my friend, so I'm not going to replace him. So, don't have to uh, kill him. Just so, have to. So, no, uh, no. Wait. So, oh, wait. I would literally replace him. I'm you not, would be I'm him. Gonna, and... I have my producer head on there, going, "Who am I going to replace? Why <laughs> oh, replace him? Oh, fuck yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Happy to, happy to. Wait. Anytime. Set me up. Call me. Interesting. You worked with John and Andy Zaltzman. Yeah, on we the... did the department years yeah. ago. Yeah, Radio Four thing. Yeah. Uh, years ago, which. Um, yeah, I loved that show. So it was uh, it was uh, set in a fictional... Uh, in the, the department was the fictional organisation that really runs the country, the one that you suspect exists. Uh, and we were a research team, Team 32, who had to solve something every week. On my desk, by six, would say Keith the Boss, played by Matthew, Matthew Holness. And um, we had to solve terrorism or health or oh, crime yes, or whatever. Right, yeah. And it was... Looking back on it, it was immense... It's just so dense. There's, it needed a lot more air in it to be actually anything other than... It's like a full-on assault of jokes on jokes. Yeah, and yeah. It's all a bit... It's a, it's a bit Well, when I, I occasionally worked with them back, Andy and John, and they were... It was, they would write these very... You know, they were dialogues, but they were very yeah. packed things, yeah. very densely written. Yeah, hugely. Uh, uh, but well, it's kind of interesting, I think, that... I mean, do you think we can do uh, one of these late-night shows in the UK. It never seems to work in the UK, and America's got several well, people doing different but, versions yes, of the show. But I and think... Could Andy Zaltzman... Why is Andy Zaltzman oh, Andy not could, doing uh, it? It could easily do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have the people who could do it, yeah. and we have, particularly now, we have uh, a, a, uh, an environment in which it could happen, a political environment in which it could happen. But... What we don't have is the resources. So, you know, so the way that John's show is organised just as a production is incredible because on that staff, there are, I think I'm right in saying this, there are more investigative journalists than there are joke writers. Because the jokes are covered. He's hilarious. His team are brilliant. um, uh, But but the, the real meat of it... Is uh, is the stuff that they're the stuff that they're bringing to it. The other thing is you need to have somebody who because John's very lucky in that he's on HBO, right? And HBO, um, uh, particularly this this sort of incarnation of HBO, uh, have um, just let him <coughs> let John be John. Yeah. So what he's doing there doesn't isn't remotely different to what he was doing as a stand up 15 years i mean it's better and it's uh, you know and it's better better funded but you know it's that's his voice and and when the show first came out people were going oh what an innovation what a great idea to have 12 minute seg- segments on fifa you know to americans or whatever um, but actually that's john you know he wants to go in depth with something and hbo allow him to do that and partly that's because they don't have ad breaks so you can decide how long you want to spend in your 28 minute show doing that without thinking oh christ we're gonna have to come out 
Um, and partly it's just because they, cause they, they are one of those few people who do that brilliant thing of hiring good people and letting them get on with it. And, and so sometimes HBO's things don't quite work and everyone goes, oh, they're in trouble, they're in trouble. They're never really in trouble because they're just, they're gonna find, they will find something really good because that's the method that they have. Mm. Find somebody really great, absolutely back them. Yeah. And that's, that's what we are missing, I think. Sure. It's an amazing show. I think it's like one of my favourite shows. Uh, incredible. Shows. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, but it is, you know, those things, that's why those things are so personality-led. The Daily Show was Jon Stewart, and that's why it's really hard. You know, Trevor Noah's done a brilliant job, actually. People have gone, oh, shit, shit, shit. But that's because what they're thinking is, I miss John, I miss John, I miss yeah, yeah. John. And you, and you have to allow for an amount of time for, for you know, for, for that to go away and to get used to his voice and stuff. And he's really finding his feet with that now. And it's partly that he's finding his feet, but equally it is that an audience is coming to understand how, how, how he talks. And, you know, what's interesting in American late night TV is how much has changed really i mean samantha b's got a new show james corden is there and very quickly hit the ground running yeah. you know colbert taking over from letterman it all changed i mean a lot of those people already had that voice in place samantha b was on the daily show but you know for and john i suppose as well but um yeah i think but for trevor he, he just he didn't he he people hadn't heard him enough now they've heard him, and, it, and it's and you know, and more and more you hear, oh, that's really good. Particularly this last week, actually, as he's been taking on Trump, there's yeah. been a sense of, oh no, he's actually he's really good. But it's interesting. I think in the UK, you would never give anyone that length of time. If someone no. if someone had a couple of weeks in a new job and they weren't that good, I think someone would panic and get rid of them. Yeah, rather than let them. You know, I think that's the thing. Those late yeah. night shows, they do five shows a week, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, I think. Four. But, but, but that is, I mean, and that in itself is a thing because you know, it's like when you start stand up. People often ask, "What's your advice for for starting? What's the, what's the one piece of advice you would give to anyone starting stand up?" It's that's a redu- it's a stupid question because one won't do. But if you only <laughs> if you can only give one, it's do it over and over and over and over and as often as you possibly can, sure. and it will take ages and ages to find uh, how to do it find your voice all of that stuff and and there's no new enterprise no new artistic enterprise that you can em- embark upon where that isn't the case you have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and they have they do have the 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 space to to do that i mean eventually if it isn't working out you know comedy central would absolutely can Trevor Noah and find somebody else to do it yeah. you know that's that is a that's a brutal business level decision that will sure. be taken by somebody at, at some stage but they do at least you know give people the, the 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 time and and the space to find out what they're doing and and yeah and the opportunity as well to do it over and over again and we what happens here as well is that because people are worried about how this is going to work and they don't have you know there aren't that many financial resources. It's getting you know there's less and less money. Although the the papers will try and protect, tell you otherwise, there's less and less money to make TV shows with because there is more and more TV being made and the the butter is being spread thinner. So so any TV show that's being uh, being tried has I think less time now to, to to find its feet. So what tends to happen when we try and make a show like last week tonight or the Daily Show, which we've been trying to make for twenty years? Is a channel, usually BBC Four or Channel Four, will commission a, a run of six, a weekly run of six, yeah. and then go nah, at the at, at the end of it. I mean, I'm being slightly unfair because you know, like Channel Four back stand up for the week for a long time and all of those sorts of things. But there's nobody doing it 
I mean, since the 11 o'clock show, which was a failed experiment mm. because they sort of didn't have the courage of their convictions, really, and they went, they went for bum jokes very, very quickly. Mm. Um, Nothing wrong with that. No, definitely. No, there's no, no question. Dick jokes are a brilliant <laughs> form of, of satire. And then, uh, and always have been, you've got to do some other stuff as well. Uh, and, uh, but, th- but what they did do with the 11 o'clock show was they did it three times a week for ages. They really, yeah, yeah. really tried. And since then, nobody has really, really tried. And, you know, and that's not to blame any broadcaster for it because it's hard to find the money uh, to, to do it. Mm-hmm. But the people, the, there are people around who, who, who could do it. Matt Ford's doing a good yeah. job. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with Unspun. It, you know, it seems to have started well, well and, and I think you know, he's, a, he's exactly the right person to do it. Andy would be a brilliant person to do it. There's definitely the talent there, mm-hmm. but it's just the resources. And writing that stuff's hard, because it's quick, isn't it? So, you, I mean, you know, I mean, that's, you, that's, the, whole, that's the whole conceit of, of, as it occurs to me, yeah. is this is a high-wire act. But that's fine with as it occurs to me because it's supposed to be a high wire act. What you don't, you know, when, when people criticise things like the Now Show, it's really hard to write those things with the available budget and the available time. If you've got a staff of loads of people who are there all week finding the funniest stories, the funniest way of, of doing those stories, uh, then you will have a bulletproof show. But if, if you have to assemble your people, you know, the day before, yeah. panic read the papers, and, and, you know, and, and you've got to have a version of the script by six hours from then, it, it is, you know, it, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Mm. Have you ever been in a canoe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I have. No? Uh, no, no, sorry. Were you hoping for advice? Yeah, I was just thinking. I thought there'd be an interesting. So I thought that was a great question. If you, if you were God, what flavour would you have made ejaculant? Because <laughs> it's like God didn't even think that people were going to eat it, didn't it? It's like that was a surprise to him. Well, it is. I mean, I mean, that's really what separates us from the animals. <laughs> In many respects, is they don't eat their own jizz. No. Uh, well, I think one of the benefits of ejaculants being a flavour that it currently is is, yeah. you know, it shows a real commitment. You know, you've really got to. Nobody's, nobody's going. Oh, actually, I quite like you. You, you know, it means something, doesn't yeah, it? I guess. Whereas if it was just chocolate, you'd think, is it me, or did he just really like chocolate? <laughs> is this an act of love or hunger? So, would you say the flavour it is proves there is a god who has thought that far? No, no, I wouldn't say that. No, okay. I wouldn't say that. But I'd say if God had done it, then you know, good call, God. <laughs> You got that one right. I'd say I think more salt. What do you think? More, I, more I, I, salt. I, I'd put more salt in it. More, yes, more salt. But then it would be followed by tequila. Yeah, that would work. And lemon juice. That is good. Well, well that, that brings good. me on to my the next three-part question. cocktail jizz. If you could choose the liquid that you weed, right? That's that, that I'm totally going on. Dragons okay, Den with that. Well, we got a lot of Dragons Den with uh, with Will last week, so we may. I think we could do a whole series between us. Um, have you ever seen? I've never asked this one. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen a famous TV animal in real life? <laughs> are there any? Are there any left? Wait, Wait, no, when when they were alive, any of the blue Goldie and Shep and all. Yeah. Never. No, bouncer. Bounce. Bouncer. Bouncer's dream. Um, uh, 
Sabrina's cat from the Sabrina, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, 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 Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Flipper the, actually, those the elephants at Bristol Zoo when yeah. we were kids would have been quite famous. Anything on Johnny Morris. Oh, hello, hello, hello <laughs> I'm an elephant. Hello, I'm a small animal. But that is brilliant. <laughs> wasn't it brilliant? It was, it was brilliant. brilliant. It was fully great. Uh, no, I never have. And now I feel slightly, like, unfulfilled. Yeah. Have you ever seen a famous... That's a really good question. Um, no. My wife once sang... Was, she was once one of the school children who... Remember when they used to open the, the big studio doors? Uh, uh, the Christmas edition of Blue Peter and all the school children would come in yeah. and sing Christmas carols. My wife was one of those. So I wow. imagine she's seen at least, say, the tortoise. Yeah, definitely. Probably Shep. No. Or, she, or maybe... Uh, Petra. Yeah, uh, no, not Petra. Goldie. Maybe Goldie. Yeah, I think so Goldie no, probably Goldie. Going a bit old. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not Petra. Uh, she, I think she would have been too small for Shep. Yeah. But I think by, by, by sort of singing age, definitely Goldie. Oh. Yeah, she might have seen Goldie. So I, I've seen uh, a, a celebrity TV animal in real life in law. Okay. <laughs> How do you sleep at night? <laughs> I, I, I sleep less. Yeah, yeah I'm getting older. I think, well, that definitely is true. And also you get, well, and kids. But you get yeah, by yeah, unless yeah. Maybe, well, I, my kids are old enough now yeah. for that not to be. Well, I was waking up anyway early before the baby, so I think yeah, definitely. It, do you know what? So uh, the thing that's really thrown me over the years is because I'm naturally I would stay up late, really late. I always think of Gary Bainbridge, brilliant Gary Bainbridge, who's on Twitter. You should follow him. Uh, who said? Who tweeted once? I think this every night. Uh, he tweeted once. I want to go to bed, but I can't face the admin. And I, <laughs> you know, when you're on the sofa and you think, oh God, I'd have to clean my teeth. <laughs> you have to do it then, eventually. But you do. Uh, but I'm, I'm partly one of those people. I always, my, I used to do sort of really good work between about midnight and two. Yeah. And it's been very difficult since having kids that I can't really work in 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 that time. But there's still some part of me that wants me to stay up that late. But then, as you say, you have to get up and take to school. Yeah. I found uh, there was a week where that I got back into that. It was, uh, it was when we got back. I, my, uh, you might have this with if you've been travelling a lot. We were jet lagged, so I wasn't sleeping very well anyway. But so. also, my daughter was sleeping better because of the jet lag. It confused oh, nice. her. But I was awake between like twelve and two, and then having millions of ideas, so I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Which I used to happen to me a lot when yeah. I was young. Yeah, that's a killer. But uh, but it's kind of it was exciting because I was you know I kind of was formulating film scripts in my head in the middle of the night which is you know unusual it's good uh, it's I think nice it's a happens. really creative time and I think it's partly because your brain you don't you don't have anything else going on uh, that's why I often find I have really good ideas or a problem if there's a problem in the script or something that I'm having trouble with and I'm staring at it on the screen what I actually should do is go and clean my teeth because I find myself when I clean my teeth <laughs> just the, it's just some weird sort of empty motor action so it clears your brain and you go, and you go oh I know what it is uh, lots of my best ideas come when I'm just in the shower or yeah you know just stay in the shower stay in the shower all day <laughs> just don't write on paper well don't write on anything you have to get some crayons that you can write on the that's it yeah shower so soap crayons <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay I thought it was good it's nice isn't it it's got to a nice calm they're just waiting for you to dismiss them I know <laughs> Like they're wondering how long can this go on. Yeah. I don't think I ever it's discussed... It's hot in here, isn't it? I don't think... It is hot, but it's all right. We don't have to worry about them. <laughs> I, I don't think I've discussed this with you before, because I don't think this was... I was so okay. obsessed. 
But do you consider having sex with a robot as cheating in a relationship? Wow! If you had to have sex with a very, you know, a very realistic robot, or just any robot you fancied, would you feel you betrayed the marriage vows that you? All right. Taken? So let's let's build let's build up to this. Okay. So imagine the fabulous um, torch masturbation aid combo, the fleshlight. Yes. It looks like a vagina in a can. <laughs> I'm a serial killer. <laughs> right. uh, so is that cheating? I would say no. I've, I've made a very similar... And, you know, women use a vibrator, which is a robot Okay, penis. and that's, so that's the thing. So then, so you attach, say, the vibrator or the thing, it, fleshlight, to, uh, like, a shop mannequin. Yeah. Is that cheating? Definitely not. Because... <laughs> I don't okay, want it to so be. Now, so now... Because <laughs> you are? Because I don't want it to be. I, okay, okay, I got it. So now, now, uh, now the mannequin. You don't have to convince me. I don't think it's cheating. You don't think it's cheating? I don't. I mean, it sort of depends. Like, have you seen? Would your wife be upset if you came home and, and said, "I've just had sex with a robot that looks like the actress Gemma Chan, but it wasn't?" Well, a I person. think at that point you have to say, "Take the skin off." Yeah. My wife's home. Take the skin off, and then she's, beep, beep, beep. she's just all the leaping circuits underneath, yeah. and then it's slightly different. That's all. Hello, right, darling. Then. I've just been practicing a little with my machine. <laughs> You could say. Yeah. Well, have you that's seen nice Ex Machina, the movie? Yeah, yeah. See, of course, well, I've I mean, seen all the very... films about having sex with robots. Because <laughs> at the very... moment, that's all I've got. Because, you know, you do, you do think, well, now I, you know, that's a, a robot that I really fancy, so I would be... So maybe that would be cheating. And then you go, actually, no, I don't fancy a robot. I fancy Alicia Vikander. That's what yeah. actually that is. Have you seen Westworld? Uh, the TV the, shows. Um, the group. <laughs> Do you mean the video for Sonic Boom Boy? <laughs> um, the new one for the teenagers. <laughs> the new TV series Boom. about a Boom uh, Boy. About um, a tourist attraction that is. I there, was a, there was a film of it as with Yul Brenner many years ago. There was. But this is a more. And there's a Stephen of, Maltmus song that mentions it. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. Is it any good? Does it? I think it's interesting. It's a bit slow. Six. It's about well, it's it's about a world you go to and uh, act out. You're a cowboy and you can do whatever you want there. So you can be a good person. You can be a bad person. I think what's quite interesting. Do you think if there... So, like, there's a guy who's going around doing awful... You know, a lot of people go there and do awful things like kill lots of robots and have, and rape robots and, and, and are horrible. Do you think if there was that place... This is a very serious question about sex with robots. Do you think that that would discourage people to do that in real life or make them more likely to do it in real life? So if there was a world Robot? where you could go and do disgusting things, like as a, t- a tourist attraction... Which so it's a sex them. tourism. Well, so sex it's... tourism, murder tourism. So, like, you could go... And people are just going and shooting robots. They get all the thrill of shooting someone dead, but they haven't killed anyone. Well, assumption... Would it make them more likely to kill people in real life or would it make them less likely to kill people? I, I don't think... I, I think it would... It's like, um, you know, there's an assumption that the Grand Theft Auto and things like that do lead people to be violent and, and, and so on. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea to be able to shoot something that looks and acts like a human or, you know, perform any other unspeakable act yeah. on that. That's not, a good, that's not a good thing to have in your head. Rich, I'm really sorry if this isn't the answer you were no, looking for. No, it is the answer. I want to. No, it isn't the answer you were looking for. Please let me murder them. <laughs> let me murder them and touch them. I want to touch and murder them. Please, please, please. That's what you're thinking. I don't really want. I think having sex with a robot would be odd. Uh, um, so uh, I, I recorded eight out of ten cats does countdown the other oh, yeah. day, and Joe Wilkinson, brilliant, brilliant, love that man, brought along as his mascot <laughs> a sex doll. 
but but not like a blow up sex doll, like something I know, like a posable. She weighed. She weighed pretty heavy. She weighed like a human weight of, and uh, and you could pose her, and it was uh, you know so. And underneath you could feel a hard metal skeleton, but there was a sort of spongy, rubbery, uh, skin muscly arrangement outside. That's you're smiling at me slightly, yeah. <laughs> worrying. <laughs> Google, Google, kind of a way, and uh, and she was you know, she was anatomically available. Yeah. Uh, and it looked like one of the most horrifying things you could ever do, yeah. just in terms of your own sanity. Do you think you'd be halfway through and go, what am I doing? Um, well, if you were halfway through, <laughs> then the question is, what then? <laughs> I think it's... Halfway through, I mean, I, I just... Because the, the, what you'd have to go through to get yourself to that situation yeah. is remarkable. <laughs> also, I just like the fact that nobody really wants to go and get one. You're going to have to have that delivered. <laughs> And there's only so... You know, I hope that they say, comes in brown paper packaging, but it's all just wrapped around the... It looks like a girl. Also, all right. No, fair. Is sex with a ghost cheating, though? Uh, that doesn't uh, count because they don't exist, okay. so it's irrelevant. And also, I mean, how would that work? Because they're non-corporeal. Well, so I've, 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 how would the purchase work in that situation? I've, where did, where's the stimulation coming from? I've given some answers to this question at some length. Oh, well, then I apologise to everybody podcast. here for taking them through this again. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever lived in an igloo, really, though? <laughs> no, but I have been in a canoe. Oh, you have been in a canoe. Uh, yeah. I moved out of the igloo because I couldn't fit the canoe through the door. And then after I'd left, I realised I could have just turned it round and done it point first. <laughs> Well, it is very hot, and we're both retired old men. We, we talked for one hour forty last time we talked. Yeah, and I'm tempted no... to go and beat, beat the record. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake! <laughs> None of these people need that. They can leave they've at any time. They've got lives. They've got jobs. They can leave at any time. They love it. <laughs> Big, that's the biggest laugh of the yeah. Evening. That is a bit yeah. <laughs> Richard Herring's Leicester Square hostage situation. <laughs> Let's just quickly talk about... Um, I wonder how many people have been on Twitter going, fucking hell. <laughs> Please come and rescue me. You were in an opera, weren't you? I was in an opera. But I was back at the opera house today. Were you? Yeah, yeah, watching the general rehearsal for Shostakovich's The Nose. It's fucking amazing. You have to go and see it. It's not, you're not going to come out whistling any tunes, let me tell you that. It's pretty hard on the old ears. But uh, fucking hell, you, we will come out going, um, I don't know what I just saw. It's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, so uh, but I, they're, they're live streaming it, so I'm going present to their, present their coverage for that. Uh, but it is abs- it's like this proper clowning and it's also it's the only time I've ever heard a man in an opera like singing fuck it it was <laughs> really good really good I thoroughly recommend it isn't opera all shit though no <laughs> I mean I think my last uh, the, the, what I said preceding your question yeah. which you wanted to ask and so I <laughs> in any case really went to answer the point okay. before we got to it no 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 opera's great opera's really really good and, and and it, and it runs, and it, yeah, it can be funny, it can be tragic, it can be everything in between. I've seen fantastic things, I've seen terrible things, I've seen fantastic things. And doing an opera, being in an opera, that's one of the best things I've ever done. So I you enjoyed were in that L'Etoile so by Emmanuel Chapré. Oui. But you weren't, you were not, you were no. a speaking role. Oui, I was a speaking role. There's quite a lot of those in opera. Right. And um, more than you think. 
And uh, yeah, so um, so I played the part of Smith, an Englishman, uh, and uh, my friend Jean-Luc Vincent, a very brilliant um, French actor and comedian, um, played uh, Dupont. Uh, who uh, and uh, yeah, so we sort of we were kind of we started we were there really as a sort of framing device for this. It's a fucking lunatic um, opera, and it, and it was written. It's a very light opera from uh, 19th century. Uh, it's about a mad king uh, who uh, is wandering around looking for somebody to impale as a birthday treat for himself. Um, and uh, uh, and the whole thing and it involves a giant elephant and uh, and it's mental. The whole thing is lunacy. And um, so Mariam Clement, who's the director, sort of wanted to have some people reacting to it like it's lunacy. So she created these two characters, Smith and Dupont, who sort of start outside the opera and end up inside the opera. Um, and it was great fun because i because i am a, a uh, i am an opera goer that is the thing that i do i actually i do go a couple of times a year mm-hmm. and uh, have done for a very long time and so it was just to be on the stage at covent garden was unbelievable as an as an opera geek but just also as a piece of performance it was fun and it was it was sort of changing all of the or finding different things out about comic performance because you're you know that household's maybe i don't know it's two and a half thousand people whatever and it's big and everybody's doing that (laughs) you know you and you have to go big you have to go against all of your sort of instincts Mm. as a as a comic performer you know what we use is we use the mic in a large space to try and allow ourselves to be as small as possible when we need to be because that's often where you know where things are funny and I've spent you know years on Veep and Thick of It and what have you trying to get out of myself and others you know small reactions you know you need to go little you constantly saying to people just can we have a smaller one Tony Hale's funny about that because I would go and go Tony he got smaller because <laughs> uh, he has a tendency to go to you know but everybody does everybody has a tendency to go big and and so it was re- it was really odd to sort of write these comic lines and find that you were having to do them in a proper kind of pantomime right out to the back sort of a way but it was the most fun and it annoyed a lot of opera snobs too which was great (laughs) what are the opera singers like backstage are they are they a crazy bunch or they're lovely i mean some of them are loonies and some of them are fantastic and you know again they're sort of like any other performers and they're like comedians in that so there are some comedians you you meet and you think fuck calm down uh and there are other comedians who you think oh great i'm glad they're on the bill and, uh, and yeah, so they run they run the gamut, but they're all really great and uh, fundamentally. And they and what's so extraordinary about them though is how relaxed they are. That's the thing is you'll be talking to somebody and they'll be going fucking hell. I tell you what, I, and they'll, t- they'll they'll be I don't know where we are with this Brexit. What the fuck is going to happen with Brexit? That is oh hang on, that's me. No! <laughs> they go on and they do an aria and they, and they come back. And go, Sorry, what were we saying? And, they, and, like, and the aria they'll do like a death aria. They'll be there, you know. It's this incredible, huge emotional moment that the audience are gripped by, and they've just been talking about. Should we get chips? Do you want to get chips after? And they they go and they come back out and carry on the conversation about what sauce you might have. It's brilliant. It's it is great, and it's bustling. I've never been anywhere busier. Uh, also, the Opera House itself is one of the busiest places I've ever been in my life because at any one time there are like three performance, three operas that are running and there are two or three that are in rehearsal and there's the ballet school as well So, uh, and, and the Royal Ballet is there plus the ballet school. There are these extraordinary sort of 20-something men and women walking around like gazelles <laughs> like this, the, the, these, these ballet dancers and the opera singers who are... <laughs> These <laughs> schlubby fuckers going about. It's extraordinary, this sort of conference people. And, 
And so there's this tannoy system that is constantly going, saying, ladies and gentlemen of L'Etoile, this is your five-minute call for this afternoon's rehearsal. Five minutes, ladies and gentlemen, for opera rehearsal room two. And, that, and there's all that myth d'espoir. Could you please come to... Or whatever. And this just goes constant. And you'll, you'll hear one of those, but it's not just them who use the tannoy. So you'll hear... <laughs> it's also the technicians. So you hear people going... Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the um, of the Ariadne of Naxos cast, could we please have you front of stage for the chair rehearsal? That's the Ariadne of Naxos cast. Thank you very much. And then there's a break of about two seconds, and someone goes, "Dive, can you come into the back? Switch the lights on." <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. Dive to the back lights. <laughs> Dive. Well, it's been lovely to see you again, Chris. I think we probably should wrap it up. Just one more thing. Was it you who broke that cupboard yeah. in me? It was me, I'm and I'd do it again. I'm calumboing you. Did you Just talk to Richard one Thomas? more thing. Just one more thing. Did, was it Richard Thomas? I haven't, talk, Richard I haven't had Richard Thomas's that I haven't had Until on. Until you have Richard on, we will never truly know the full story of this. If he's anything about him, he'll have totally fucking forgotten the entire <laughs> incident. <laughs> Which is what you would hope at this stage. Where I will never years forget. later. 14 years now. <laughs> we'll Richard. get to the 14 years since that one cupboard was broken and subsequently repaired with no real damage to anything. <laughs> About a day later, by a man. This really shouldn't be ringing. This is not a cold case. <laughs> this is a way, you know. I'm not going to go to my grave. This isn't one of those things that should be on the front page of the Express every time they can't think of something about Princess Diana or global warming. But, you know, it starts, people start by breaking cupboards and then they go on to... And then where does it go? Breaking wardrobes, sawing up tables. (laughs) Sawing up tables. Well, Burning chairs. Well, I I, I swear to you, I mean, I just, I would let it go at this point. I just think it's better for you if you... But wouldn't the person who did it say that? That is what I'm saying. What you should do is, yeah. is you should... I mean, it's too late for me. You have to, but what you should do is you should get stew on, yeah. if you could bear it. Uh, and uh, Richard Thomas and Antipolsky, yeah. right, and just put a cupboard there. <laughs> and then ask them provoking questions, not about the cupboard, and see which one <laughs> latches out, and then you've got your man. Okay. And if none of them do it, it was you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, thank you very much for coming back. They don't know what you were talking about. I know they don't, but the people at home do. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Addison, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. You have been listening to Richard Harris, that's the Square Theatre Podcast, with me, Richard Harris, and my guest, Chris Addison. The music, as always, is played by Pest. They come in every day to do it live. They're nice guys. Uh, yeah, thank you to everyone at the Square Theatre. Thank you to everyone at the British Comedy Guide. Thank you, everyone, to everyone at YouTube. Thank you to everyone at iTunes. Thank you to everyone at Vimeo. And thank you to Go Past the Strike as well. They're quite nice. Uh, the producer is Ben Walker. He's a decent guy. He's all right. Uh, it is a fuzz, Go Faster Stripe and Sky Potato production. Thanks for listening to these. If you've enjoyed them, why not come and see me on tour in 2017? You might be able to see me in 2016 in Bridgewater, doing the best, but all the most of the gigs are in the new year. Go to richardherring.com slash gigs or richardherring.com slash the underscore best slash tour and you can see all of the tour dates and see if I'm coming to near you please come along that's how I make my living thanks bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week 
Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And... Um, would love to see you on the on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.